And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry man. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. You want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present a classic radio detective adventure of The Falcon, starring Les Damon, and a classic radio comedy episode of The Burns and Allen Show, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Carl. What's happening? Oh, Good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you, too. It's Good to Hollywood see you 360 Day. On the radio, as they say. Yes, that's where we belong. This is where we play classic radio shows, right? Is yes. this the show where we play classic radio shows? This is, and I'm. I was just looking at the title of the Burns and Allen show. Yeah. King, beca- King George becomes a royal pain, and I just thought of you. Really? Yeah. It just. Aww. I don't know how I'm putting that so all together. Sweet. She thinks about me even when we're not doing the show. Yes. Isn't yes. That great? Only in, with the words "royal pain" together. <sighs> Well, we're going to start things off with The Falcon. The Falcon was a radio series that premiered on the Blue Network April 10, 1943. It continued on NBC and Mutual until 1954. The Falcon was loosely based on a series of popular Falcon movies distributed by RKO. The Falcon was actually Detective Michael Waring. Like the Falcon movies, the radio plots mixed danger, romance, and comedy in equal parts, and each show began with a telephone ringing and Michael wearing the Falcon answering the phone. Of course, uh, the cases involved uh, police, which were not able to solve the mystery without the Falcon's help. And Barry Kroger, James Megan, Les Tremaine, and Les Damon all portrayed the Falcon over the radio run. We have an episode now going back to July 3rd, 1952. It's called The Case of the Babbling Brooks, and it stars Les Damon. Let's tune this in, part one of The Falcon. Hello? Yes, this is The Falcon speaking. Oh, is that? No, I won't be able to make it tonight. I'm on my way to London. That's right, Angel, London. Someone committed murder there, and I'm supposed to upset the defense. Yeah, he claims he knows nothing about it, because at the time, he was in a fog. Once again, the National Broadcasting Company brings you the transcribed adventures of the Falcon, starring Les Damon. The Adventures of the Falcon, dedicated to private investigators everywhere. Those hard-hitting detectives who, like Mike Waring, risk their lives to aid law enforcement agencies. So join him now when the Falcon solves the case of the babbling Brooks. The funny thing about women, you never know how they're going to react. I suppose that's true of men, too, but I haven't been interested in doing research there. Give me a girl every time, especially in a city like London. Now, you take Christina Draper, for example. And uh, if you're going to take her, you'll have to work real fast. Chris is the luscious blonde getting out of the lift on the eighth floor of the showroom. 
One glance and you can tell immediately this is a girl who believes in standing on her own two feet. And who can blame her? Just look at those ankles. Who is it? It's Chris, Robert. Open up. Darling, what a pleasant surprise. I was just thinking of you. Mm, I'll bet. Word of honor, my darling. Have you got it for me? You don't believe in wasting time, do you, Mr. Vaughan? Eh? I remember when you couldn't wait to kiss me. Oh, I still can't. I'm mad about you, darling. Mm, You're pretty cute. I don't understand you, Chris. Not much you don't. You'd cut my throat in a minute if you thought it would do you any good. Oh, now, dearest. Don't worry. Doesn't bother me. Funny, isn't it? Down at the embassy, they think I'm the original hard-hearted Hannah. If they only knew, huh? Well, they mustn't, my love. Would be disastrous for our cause if they did. Incidentally, I just heard from Moscow. They're tremendously pleased with... Skip it. Well, I thought you'd be interested in knowing your efforts on behalf of world peace are appreciated. Let's not kid each other. I'm a traitor. Oh, Chris, please. Well, isn't that what they call people who sell out their own country? Darling, you mustn't talk like that. After all, your motive... Yeah, how about my motive? I'm in love with a common turn big shot. Do you think they'll take that into consideration before they hang me? Oh, really, Chris, I don't know what's come over you. You're displaying horrible taste. I apologize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're an angel. Now, what have you got for me? The minutes of a conference between Colonel Logan and Sir Ralph Gordon. May I? You mind if I help myself to a drink? I've uh, got some Irish there. That's fine. Can I fix you one? Yes, please. Chris. Chris is wonderful. I see they discussed a new tank. Yeah, the F-7. Where are they testing it? Back in the States. Aberdeen. Here. Thank you, Fred. Would there be any plans in England? Colonel Logan has a set. Mm-hmm. I've got to have a copy. I'll get you a camera. Uh-uh. Include me out. Now, darling, don't you want to help the cause of world peace? And I do that by presenting you with the plans for the F-7? Of course. Well, I must be stupid. I don't see it. Well, if we had known in advance that the Americans were going to use germ warfare in Korea... Now, honey, this is Chris. Remember, you're not writing articles for the Daily Worker. (laughs) My mistake. But you will get me a copy of those plans. Mm. I don't think I'd better... The heat is on. Scotland Yard just nabbed a coding clerk in the British Foreign Office. Oh, he was a bungler. What about Dukes? And you claim you love me, hmm? You don't know it by now. Ah, well, then you can't refuse me this. Oh, now, stop it, Robert. Oh, you know, I'm mad about you, Chris. No. After this is over, I'll take you out of this beastly country. We'll go to Vienna, Moscow, anywhere you want. What do you say, darling? I... I ought to have my head examined. But you'll do it, hmm? I'll do it. Get me a camera and I'll take care of it tonight. There'll always be an England... Who's there? I beg your pardon, miss. Only Alfie Brooks. I thought everyone was gone. No, I'm I'm working late, Brooks. Yeah, so I noticed. Is Colonel Logan here? No, he uh, he's he's away for the weekend. Well, I thought I'd scrub these floors. Would you like me to start over? Hey, that's a smasher. Hmm? Oh, that camera. My brother brought back one like that from Germany. Oh, it took lovely pictures. Yes, I'm sure. But uh, ain't that against regulations? Huh? Let's bring a camera in here. Well, I'm. 
going down to Devonshire for the weekend, I didn't want to have to go home again to pick it up. Ah, I see. Oh, I hope you won't say anything to Colonel Logan about this. Well, I don't know, Miss Draper. Now, you wouldn't want to get me in trouble, would you, Brooks? Of course not. I know what trouble is. I got my share. Why, it takes a blooming fortune to keep a body alive. You know, the pound ain't worth what it used to be. Could you use five? Oh, I hope you don't think I was hinting for money. Of course not. Not that I couldn't use it, you understand. Imagine, two shillings now for a pint of bitters. Yeah, and this ought to buy you a barrel. Oh, oh, thank you, Miss Draper. You're a real lady. And you won't say anything to Colonel Logan? Ah, you don't have to worry, miss. Ask anyone. When Alfie Brooks gives his word, it's like a bond. I've forgotten about it already. Anyone for Doc? Hey, looking for someone, Governor? Uh, yeah, Alfie Brooks. I was told I could find him at the Fox and Beagle. Uh, what's Brooks done now? Well, what makes you think he's done anything? Oh, I know Alfie. Hey, Alfie. Gent here wants to see you. Uh, what, Gent? Hello, Brooks. My name is Mike Waring. I wonder if you could spare me a few minutes. Oh, I'm sorry, Governor. I'm playing dark. Well, this won't take much time. Oh, hey, bartender. Do we have a couple of pints here? Thank you. You want to sit at this table here? All right. Now, uh, you've got your blooming nerve. Here, take a look at my credentials. Well, you ain't a blooming copper. No, not exactly. But Colonel Logan suggested I talk to you. Well, I ain't nothing. If somebody's pinched something, well, it wasn't me. I'm sure it wasn't. I was just wondering if you ever saw anyone in the colonel's office after hours. Oh, uh, like who, for example? Like any of the men, or Miss Draper, the colonel's secretary. You mean... There's spies at work? What makes you ask that? I go to the cinema. I see how those fellows work. If I thought there was some hanky-panky going on... There is. Cool. What do you know? The question is, what do you know? Not a ruddy thing. But I'll give it some thought, Governor. If I come up with anything, you leave it to Alfie Brooks to know what to do. What's the trouble, Chris? You look nervous. I am. Maybe this will calm your fevered brow. I tell you, they suspect something, Robert. I'm being followed. You're imagining things, darling. Then why did they send for Waring? Michael Waring? You know him? I met him in Vienna two weeks ago and in Paris last week. Who is he? My avocation is a private detective called the Falcon. But according to my information, he's been recalled to temporary duty with American intelligence. I knew it. Now, Chris, I tell you this... Are you expecting someone? No. Who is it? Porter, Mr. Vaughan. Where will I go? Oh, really, darling, you do have a window. I'll, I'll be in there. As you like. Just a moment. Hi, Governor. Who the devil are you? Oh, uh, Alfie Brooks is the name. Is Miss Draper here? I'm afraid you're making a mistake. <laughs> Not half. I followed her. So you're the one? Uh-huh. Uh, can I come in? Perhaps you'd better. Sit down. Uh, thanks. Cool. Uh. Oh, this is a lovely place. What are they itch you for a flat like this? Why, are you thinking of renting one? Ah, you never know. Someday I might be in the chips myself. And if you are, it'll be through me, eh? Ah, now that's what I like. A gentleman who comes right to the point. What's on your mind? Well, a bloke named Mike Waring was around to see me the other day. Yeah. 
wanted to know... If I can the... imagine what he wanted to know. I didn't tell him about Miss Draper. You see, I gave her my word. And naturally, you wouldn't break it. Naturally. Unless, of course, there was conditions I got no control over. Like, uh, well, uh, if there was anky-panky going on. What do you mean by anky-panky? But suppose for the sake of argument, Miss Draper was a spy. Oh, not that I think... She is, you understand? I understand. Oh, well, naturally, it would be my duty to tell what I know. I'm a patriot, I am. That's obvious. Of course, I'd hate to make trouble for Miss Draper, and there's no reason why I should. If you're paid. <laughs> like I said before, Mr. Vaughan, I like a gent who don't beat around the bush. How much do you want? Suppose we say 500 pounds. How do I know this won't be the first of many such calls? Now, I'm no pig, Mr. Vaughan. Ask anyone what knows Alfie Brooks. They'll tell you he's a reasonable man. Well, that raises a problem. I don't have that much on me. That's all right. I trust you. <laughs> you might be making a mistake. <laughs> no, I don't think so. You see, I can always go back to Mr. Waring. Yeah. He's my insurance policy. A sort of Lloyds of London, eh? Uh-huh. Where do you live? 13 Oakley Square. That's in Camden Town. I'll be by at 3.30. In the morning? Yes, I have a previous engagement. You won't fail me. Oh, don't worry, Brooks. Like you, my word is my bond. That's all I ask. Well, cheer up, mate. Hey, give my best to Miss Draper. I will. Well, was I imagining things? Apparently not. What are we going to do? Well, first I'm going to have a drink and meditate, my darling. Obviously, I can't permit myself to be blackmailed. So there's only one solution. No. I'm afraid it's yes, darling. What do you think I told Brooks I'd be there at 3.30... I have no idea. Well, that's the time I expect to be with your employer. Colonel Locum? Yes. Ironic, isn't it, that the American military attaché should be my alibi? But if you're going to be with the colonel... I can't take care of our Mr. Brooks. Then who will? You. You're crazy. What's the trouble, darling? Something wrong with my logic? Everything. You don't think I'm going to commit murder? Oh, really, Chris, at times you show your bourgeois background. I've done a lot for you, Robert. But I won't kill anyone. Why not? Indirectly, my dear, you've been responsible for thousands of deaths. That's a lie. Did you ever think of the end results of all the work you've done for us? Those bits of paper you brought us ultimately meant the death of some American boy. No. And, darling, you've got to face the facts. You're a big girl now. Here we are. What's that? A memento I've been keeping for just such an occasion. It's a cufflink. You'll notice the initials. M.W. M.W. Didn't you say Mike Waring was in London? Yes. Well, aren't you take care of Mr. Brooks? You're to drop this near the body. I won't do it. And I say you will. Finish your drink, pet. I'd hate to be late for my appointment with Colonel Logan. So much depends on it. Well, I say what you don't know will never hurt you. But try selling that to Alfie Brooks. He had no idea the little surprise party Robert Vaughan and Chris Draper were preparing for him. Meanwhile, I had a dinner date with Chris's boss, Colonel Logan, at the Savoy. I don't know if the fuel shortage had anything to do with it, but uh, we ate by candlelight, so that made two more of us in the dark. Some more wine, Mike? Is that what it is? I couldn't tell in this light. <laughs> I'm surprised at you, Mike. Don't you know there's nothing more romantic than eating by candlelight? Well, how can you expect me to be romantic with a colonel in the army? Now, if you were that blonde secretary of yours... Chris... Forget it. She's spoken for. Well, just the same, I think I'll have to talk with her tomorrow. What for? Well, I've covered everybody else on your staff. It's time I got around to her. Wasting your time, soldier. You might as well suspect me. <laughs> Don't think I haven't. 
That's <laughs> what I like about you boys and intelligence. You wouldn't even trust your... Your... What's the trouble, Colonel? I don't know. Here, I'll get your doctor. No, no. But you're sick. No, it'll pass. There. I feel better already. Well, let me take you home. No, no. It's, it's nothing, Mike. Just a touch of indigestion. Well, just the same, I'm going to see you home. I'll have the way to call a cab. No, no. I, I've got a date. Well, let me keep it for you. I guarantee she won't be disappointed. No, but you will. It's a heat. Oh. Yeah, although you and Vaughn might hit it off at that. What Vaughn might that be? Robert. Is he in England? Don't tell me you know him. I certainly do. I met him in Vienna two weeks ago. He's working for the Reds. He's what? Sure, he's a big shot in the party. <laughs> I'll bet he's behind all these shenanigans. Mike, you've been seeing too many movies. Look, I tell you, Colonel... Tell me tomorrow. Vaughn and I have got a date to play chess. And if I'm going to keep it, I'll have to move. I'll be seeing you, fellow. Colonel, your move. You're going to regret this, Vaughn. Suppose I move my bishop here. I believe that's checkmate. Now, how the devil did I miss that? <laughs> You're much too good, Colonel. I resign. How about another game? No, no, I promised my doctor I'd be in bed by one. Oh, but it can't be more than 12. Well, if it isn't, someone better notify Big Ben. That's three striking now. Hmm. I can't imagine where the time went. Would you like me to drive you home? No, no, don't bother. I'll get a cab. Oh, ridiculous. In my Nash here, it'll take us no time at all. Really, Vaughn, I hate to put you in any trouble. Oh, forget it. Just let me get my coat. Well, I certainly appreciate it. My pleasure. I'll be right out. Operator, let me have Savoy. 4112, please. Hello? I met you, Chris. Yes. Robert here. Just wanted to know everything is proceeding according to plan, my dear. I'm leaving now with Colonel Logan. Uh, you have that cufflink I gave you? Yes, but... Uh, good. I... I should be at the Colonel's flat at 3.30, at which time you should be knocking on Mr. Brooks' door. Listen, darling... I wish I, I had time to, but it might throw our schedule off. Good hunting, darling. Draper. Mm-hmm. I was expecting Mr. Vaughan. He couldn't make it, so he sent me in his place. Uh, I don't like that, miss. It seems to me when you make an agreement... It couldn't you... be helped, Brooks. Now, may I come in? All right. You got it? Yes, I've got it. Where's your wife? I sent her to our Mars. I knew Mr. Vaughan wouldn't want anyone around while we was conducting business. That was smart. <laughs> you leave it to Brooks, miss. I'm a bloke who... You're a bloke who what? What's the idea of the gun? What's usually the idea? He mustn't joke with me. I'm not joking, Brooks. Look, we can forget about the money. Can we? Sure. Well, what do I want with 500 pounds? I wouldn't know what to do with it anyway. You tell me some more for me. Primrose, will you phone the yard and ask them to send over the lorry? I'll get it. Yes? I'd like to see Alfie Brooks, please. I think we can oblige you. Come in. Thanks. There he is. 
Do you care for a closer look? Yes, if you don't mind. I insist. Oh, it's not very pretty. What murder is? I, uh, I don't believe I caught your name. It's Mike Waring. Oh, how are you? I'm Heathcliff. Heathcliff? Now, if you're going to make any bad jokes about Wuthering Heights, I'd rather you didn't. You chaps carry on, will you? I am. I take it you're with the yard. You take it correctly. Well, I'm with American Intelligence. If you'd like to see my credentials... I'd love to. There you are. Mm-hmm. Seems to be in order. Uh, if I can help in any way... Perhaps you can. Now, what do you make of this cufflink? Well, let's see it. Oh, I'd rather you did, though, man. But the initials on it are M.W. Well, it could stand for Mike Waring. Couldn't it? Which merely proves how wrong I've been. I don't get you. Well, every time I read one of your American thrillers, I'm amused when the criminal's apprehended because he conveniently leaves behind a cufflink. But apparently truth is stranger than fiction. This is Vaughn's work. I beg your pardon? Two weeks ago in Vienna, I ran into a man named Robert Vaughn. He was in charge of Soviet security. He had an opportunity to go through my things. And it's your theory that he appropriated this cufflink at that time? Yes. Now, why should he do that? For just this purpose. Well, I'd say he was remarkably far-sighted, wouldn't you? Look, Inspector, this isn't for publication. But there was a spy at work on Colonel Logan's staff. The deceased there? Apparently. Oh, it hardly seems like the old man. After all, Brooks was just a porter. He'd be in no position to know anything. Well, he must have known something. That's why Vaughn killed him. Still, it was your cufflink we found near the body. But can't you see it's a frame? I knew you were going to say that. What? Those American pictures aren't exaggerated. Oh, don't be a fool. If I killed Brooks, why would I come back here? Doesn't the killer always return to the scene of the crime? In your case, probably to retrieve the cufflink. Oh, what's the use? When did he die? Half past three. What were you doing at that time? I was asleep. I'm afraid that isn't much of an alibi, old man. Well, I'll give you eight to five that Vaughn's isn't any better. Those are excellent odds. I think you take, I'll take you up on them. Primrose, be a good chap and get us a car, will you? We've got to settle a bet. That's the first portion of The Falcon from July 3rd, 1952. The case of the babbling Brooks starring Les Damon. Hey, Lisa Wolf. Hey, Carl Amari. You know, we have a website here for this radio show. We do? Yes. And, you know, at the radio show website, we also have a podcast Huh? Ah. You know, that's the, that's the end thing now. If you have a national radio show, you have to have a podcast. So oh. I'm always in, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with the in crowd. You're at the cutting edge of technology. Yeah, Carl. I'm pretty hip and cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have my, uh, cool, um, bell bottom pants, you know, and my, um, my cool car, you know, my Yugo. Your Yugo and, so, and a cool podcast of Hollywood Right. So we do. We have a podcast of this show. You know, we want our listeners to hear the entire four hour program because many of the stations don't carry the full four hours, but we want our listeners to hear all of these shows. In fact, we play six classic radio shows each week, but at our podcast, we give you a bonus hour of classic radio that you don't hear on the air. So just check out Hollywood360radio.com. That's Hollywood360radio.com. And there's also all kinds of fun uh, classic uh, radio and TV shows available on CD and digital download. We also have classic television shows, all kinds of fun stuff at our store. So check out Hollywood360radio.com. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to have the conclusion to The Falcon, plus the Burns and Allen Show here on the Hollywood360 Radio Network.
More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All right, let's get back now to the Falcon going back to July 3rd, 1952. This is called The Case of the Babbling Brook, starring Les Damon. Well, that's a very interesting tale, Inspector. So Mr. Waring believes I framed him, eh? I know you did, Vaughn. You're the only one who could have palmed that cufflink. And where did I have the opportunity? Two weeks ago in Vienna at the Hotel Imperial. Oh, really, old man? You're not serious? Why should I kill this, this, uh... Brooks. Uh, oh, Alfie Brooks. Thank you, Inspector. Why don't you say you didn't even know the man? I didn't. Oh, come off it, Vaughn. He was working for you. Then why should I kill him? All right, maybe he wasn't. I do wish you'd make up your mind, was he or wasn't he? Look, Inspector, suppose there was someone else in that office cooperating with Vaughn and Brooks discovered it. Then suppose he tried to blackmail Vaughn. You're doing an awful lot of supposing. Then why won't you tell us what you were doing at 3.30 last night? Because I hate to involve anyone. You're bluffing. I wouldn't advise you to call me. Well, I am. The Inspector and I have a side bet on your hand. Well, I've got a full house, old man. At 3.30 last night, I was with Colonel Logan, the American attaché. You're lying. I saw the Colonel... At 8.00. He told me so. But he never would have stayed up till 3.30. He wasn't feeling well. I know. I drove him to his flat. We got there at 4.15. Well, I don't get it. You will. Excuse me, Inspector, you mentioned something about a wager between yourself and Mr. Waring. Yes, he staked his life on the outcome of this call. I do hope he can afford the loss. Well, I can't say I wasn't warned. Mama always told me not to gamble, and here I had staked my life that Robert Vaughn didn't have an alibi for the time of Brooks's murder. But there was one consolation. My luck had to change. I couldn't possibly lose two bets in a row like this. Well, what do you say, Waring? You satisfied now? No, he's lying, Inspector. Oh, really, old man? You couldn't possibly have been with Colonel Logan at 3.30. And suppose the Colonel bears out my story. Well, then, there was some horsing around with watches. Horsing around? <laughs> that's a new one. You mean jiggery-pokery? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. The colonel wasn't wearing a watch, and Vaughn here probably doctored his own. Did I doctor Big Ben, too? Huh? The colonel called the hour to my attention as Big Ben was striking three. Oh, no. You really seem to be putting your foot in it, Mr. Waring. Well, I tell you, his alibi is a phony. Well, in England, we know a wonderful way to find out. Suppose we go over and see Colonel Logan. <laughs> I suppose that's how you do it in America, too. Yes? I hate to disturb you, miss, but I'm Inspector Heathcliff of Scotland Yard. Yes, we've been expecting you. Why should you? Oh, uh, this is Mr. Waring and Mr. Vaughan. I've already had the pleasure. How are you, Miss Draper? Uh, Colonel Logan in there? Yes. Go on in. Oh, oh, come in, gentlemen. Say, what's going on? Sad, isn't it? I cautioned him. He just wouldn't listen. Who are you? Dr. Wilburn. What's wrong with the colonel? Well, can't you see? He's dead. That's impossible. Oh, no. A typical coronary. They often go like that, you know. Late hours, overwork. Oh, poor guy. Well, I can assure you there was no pain. He never knew a thing. Well, kind of upsetting, isn't it, Vaughn? Hey, You claim the colonel was your alibi. He was. How are you going to prove it? That does create a problem. If you gentlemen will excuse me, I'll make the necessary arrangements. All right, Vaughn. What have you got to say for yourself now? Well, gentlemen, I'm afraid you'll leave me no choice. I didn't kill Brooks. 
But I know who did. Why didn't you say so before? Well, after all, I am a gentleman. And where a lady is involved... A lady? Christina Draper. The colonel's secretary? Yes, that's right. I've been seeing a good deal of the girl. Why should that make any difference? You might let me finish. I understand she's engaged to some chap in the States. Brooks apparently found out about it and attempted to blackmail her. I don't believe it. Thanks for the vote of confidence. Chris, darling. I guess it's true what they say about people who listen at keyholes. They never hear any good about themselves. I'm sorry, my pet, but you do understand. I'm not angry, Robert. I always knew you'd cut my throat someday. But you taught me a lot, too. Like you said, my reaction to murder was distinctly middle class. Well, I'm over that now. Listen, Miss Draper. Stay out of this. Put away that gun. This doesn't concern you. This is between Mr. Vaughan and myself. Right, Robert? You're being very melodramatic, Chris. What can you expect of a woman in love? You know, I do still love you. Oh, really, darling? I guess I will as long as we both live. Which isn't saying very much. I'll be seeing you, honey. No. Ah. Oh. All right, Angel. Let's have that gun. Sure. How is he, Inspector? He isn't. He's dead. And that takes care of that. All right, fellas, let's go. Kind of ironic, wasn't it, Waring? Huh? I mean, Bourne's alibi turning on Colonel Logan and the Colonel dying of a heart attack before he could testify. Yeah, it just proves you can't depend on anything these days. Too bad, too, because it was really a nice twist. While Vaughn was with the colonel, Chris killed Brooks. Pretty clever. Yeah, you got to give the devil his due. He had it all planned but the ending. Well, now that he's ended, I suppose you'll be going back to the States. <laughs> and am I looking forward to seeing them again? When are you leaving? First plane out. I do wish you'd change your mind. I'd like to show you around the yard. Oh, thanks. I made up my mind. And once I do, I... Excuse me, sir. Is either of you gentlemen Mr. Michael Waring? Yeah. Uh, here's a cable for you, sir. It's been forwarded from your hotel. Oh, thanks. Oh, no. Bad news? Listen. Glad you're enjoying your holiday. No use coming back to New York now. It's hot as blazes. People keeling over in the streets. Understand they're doing the same in Italy, only they never get up again. Proceed immediately to Rome and find out why. Love and kisses Leon Brill. You're not going to take that. Now, what do you think? If I ignore this, Brill can have me court-martialed and shot. And if you go to Rome, you might end up the same way? Yes, ain't that a jolly prospect? Well, good night, Inspector. Adventures of the Falcon are based on the famous character created by Drexel Drake, produced and transcribed by Bernard L. Schubert, written by Eugene Wang, and directed by Richard Lewis. Les Damon was starred as the Falcon with Ann Burr as Chris. This program came to you from New York City. This is Fred Collins speaking. And that's The Falcon. Good detective adventure called The Case of the Babbling Brooks, starring Les Damon. Also in the cast, Ann Burr and Fred Callens doing the announcing, sustained over NBC. Hope you enjoyed that broadcast from July 3rd, 1952. So it's time for the Burns and Allen Show. Want to tune that in? I sure do. Well, real-life husband and wife George Burns and Gracie Allen worked together as a comedy team in vaudeville. 
films, radio, and television with great success for more than four decades. George played straight man to Gracie's silly, addle-headed character, and the duo was a big hit in vaudeville and film, so when radio beckoned, they delivered. And early on, the two did not play a married couple. For a long time, they continued a flirtation act with George as Gracie's most persistent suitor. But when the show's ratings began to sag toward the end of the 1930s, George decided it was time their real-life marriage was written into the show. And the new format included husband and wife characters in situation comedy settings. And Burns' instincts were correct, and the Burns and Allen show went on to new heights, eventually making a successful transition to the television screen. And they were very, very popular on TV as well. And it's time now for a Burns and Allen radio show, January 26, 1943. This is called King George Becomes a Royal Pain. It stars George Burns and Gracie Allen, sponsored by Swan Soap. Is there any Swan Soap around anymore? Do you is know? there Swan Soap? I don't think so. Uh, they had a Swan on the packaging. I, I remember. I can picture you it. You can remember that? I don't know. I can picture it. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know. Back in Mel there. Blank is in this. Also, Clarence Nash, who was the voice of Donald Duck in the Walt Disney cartoons, he appears as um, as the duck. There's like a duck that they that's a pet duck, and he does the quack quack on there. Clarence <laughs> Nash does. He does it a lot better than I just did it. As heard on CBS. Part one now of the Burns and Allen Show. Well, hello. Come right in. Oh, George, we've got company. This is Bill Goodwin speaking for Lever Brothers, makers of Swan, the new white floating soap. Well, it's Tuesday night again. Time for another pleasant visit with George Burns and Gracie Allen, Jimmy Cash, and Paul Whiteman and his music. And now meet the people who live in the Burns house, George and Gracie. (laughs) Who were your ancestors? Were they famous? Let us trace your family tree and find out. Well, that's the way the ad in the newspaper read. And, of course, Gracie clipped the coupon, unknown to George. George, did you ever have your family history traced? My family history? Sure, you can't tell. Maybe there was somebody in your family who amounted to something. <laughs> Thanks, kid. Did you ever have any famous relatives? Well, I, I told you about my Uncle Charlie. Oh, yeah, but I mean really famous. Not just a man who was known as the squarest bookie in Philadelphia. <laughs> what's, uh, what's all this sudden interest in my family? Oh, nothing. It's just something a wife should know. Didn't I tell you all about my family before we got married? Yeah, and I married you anyway. Oh, joy. <laughs> I just thought some of your ancestors might have been famous, that's all. Like, maybe you're descended from Robert Burns, one of America's greatest poets. Gracie, you mean the fellow who wrote Coming Through the Rye? Yes. He was Scotch. Oh, or was he? Hmm. <laughs> I never can remember whether he was a Scotch poet who wrote about rye or an American poet who, who wrote, wrote about, about Scotch. Scotch. <laughs> well, Robert Burns was a panatella, and I'm going into the library and smoke one. Uh, all right, dear, but don't drop any ashes. We're having company tonight. Tonight? Yes. Oh, gee, I was going to a concert tonight with the fellas. You know how... We all love good music. Uh, George, the last time you went to a concert with the boys, I found the ticket stubs in your pocket the next day. Oh, you did? Yes, yeah. Tell me, what does Tassel's Latour play? 
<laughs> uh, does she play the piano or the violin? Tassel? Yes. Oh, well, she just kind of walks around. <laughs> well, there'll be no more of that from now on. Oh. One of those concert artists is liable to fall off the runway and hurt you. <laughs> Look, sweetheart, I don't care anything about the show. I just go to watch Paul Whiteman. He gets such a kick out of it. Uh, well, uh, can I go? Uh, what do you say, dear? Don't drop any ashes on the floor. I say, I say. Oh, good morning, Mr. Postman. Good morning, Mrs. Burns. Here's a letter for you. It's a glorious day, isn't it? Oh, yes, indeed. How are you feeling today, Mr. Postman? The same as every other day, Mrs. Burns. Just bursting with health. <laughs> You certainly look well Oh, yes But anyone who exercises regularly Can become the same physical specimen I am Well, if you'll pardon me, Mr. Postman I'm very anxious to read my letter I see it's from Professor Henning's Genealogical Institute Really? That's a coincidence Because I sent away and had them look up my family tree, too Oh, did you? Yes The only thing I know about my ancestors Is that they came from Wales They did? I'll bet they're wonderful swimmers. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Burns, you say such funny things. I just have to laugh. <laughs> well, I'm anxious to read this letter, Mr. Postman, so I'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye, Mrs. Burns. Remember, keep smiling. <laughs> So excited. Now I can learn all about George's family background. Dear Madam, we take pleasure in informing you that your husband, Mr. George Burns, is the direct descendant of an ancient Scottish king. This report. Oh, my goodness, a king! George is a king! Hiya, Gracie. Where's George? Oh, Bill, the most wonderful thing has happened. What? I've just discovered that George has royal blood. Well, say, that is wonderful. Didn't know the kid had any. Oh. <laughs> I'm not joking, Bill. It's true. Professor Henning's Institute says that George is a Scottish king. And it only cost me 50 cents. Well, you certainly got your four bits for it. <laughs> yes. Now George and I are perfectly made it. There's some royal blood in my family, too, you know. Oh, really? Oh, sure. When Mama was a girl, she was chosen queen of the annual Spring Onion Festival. <laughs> well, gee, just think of George Burns taking his place with famous kings like Louis XIV, King of France, Richard the Lionhearted, King of England, Swan the Suds and Whiz, King oh, of Soaps. Oh, Bill. I don't believe there ever was a king with a name like that. Like what? Richard the Lionhearted. <laughs> Why, Gracie... Richard the Lionheart had took the throne of England back in 1189. I remember the date because it was just exactly 752 years before the introduction of Swan, the new white floating soap that's purer than the finest Castiles. Well, tell me some more about Richard the Lionheart, Bill. You know, I, I think I'll pick a name like that for George, mm -hmm. like um, uh, George the Tiger Lung, or uh, uh, George the... the um... How about George the Chicken Liver? The... Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> He'll sound like an hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> tell me more about Richard the Lionhearted. Well, I tell you, Gracie, he was a great fighter and a great eater. You see, they say that he could eat an entire side of beef at one sitting. Well, that was possible in those days. <laughs> well, can you imagine the dishwashing that went on in his castle, Gracie? What a shame they didn't have Swan. Swan is great for washing dishes, you know, because it suds faster than other white floating soaps. And since Swan is purer than the finest Castiles... 
It's bound to help keep your hands smooth and lovely. That's why you should use Swan for every soap and water job. You know, it might be just a thing to wash George's kilts. Kilts? Oh, sure. If he's a descendant of a Scottish king, he ought to wear kilts. Oh, no, no, no. I've seen George's legs, and I think all of his royal blood must be above his knees. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't worry, Gracie. He can show his ancestry by being thrifty. He can practice thrift by breaking Swan in two with an easy twist of the wrist and using half in the kitchen for dishes and housework and half in the bathroom for his hands and face. Aye. Oh, that's a wonderful accent, Bill. But George is a Scotch king, not a French king. Oh, hello, Bill. Oh, greetings, Your Majesty. Hi, Highness. Huh? Is there anything you wish, sire? Who, me? May I fetch you a goblet of 7-Up? <laughs> now, what's this? Gracie, his majesty looks perplexed. Well, all right, the joke's over. Now, what's this all about? Oh, I've got the nicest surprise for you, dear. You're a king. A king? Yes. Well, that's nice. Look, oh, Gracie... George, I set away for your family tree, and there was a Scotch king growing on it. <laughs> Gracie, what have you started now? Oh, but George is wonderful. Just think from now on, you'll be his grace and I'll be her Gracie. <laughs> Gracie, I don't care what those people wrote you. I'm telling you for the 50th time, I'm not a king. Do you understand? Yes, Your Majesty. And stop calling me Your Majesty. Yes, Your Highness. And don't call me Your Highness either. Yes, Your Kingship. Look, sweetheart, I'm not a king Well, your ancestors were And you know what I always say Blood is thicker than, uh, uh Water What? I said blood is thicker than water Well, of course it is What's so wonderful about that? <laughs> Never mind, forget it, forget it Oh, did your loving subject say something to offend his majesty? Look, will you please stop? Well, I'm if I did, you have the right to banish me from your kingdom Gracie. But you better not banish me further than Pasadena. We've only got three gallons of gas. <laughs> Look, for the last time, I'm trying to... Come in. Are you the party who called me on the phone? Oh, yes. Go right in the next room and get started. Okay, Lenny. Who is that? A carpenter. I've got a little job for him to do. And when he's through with that one, I'm going to have him carve the Burns coat of arms on the front door. There's no Burns coat of arms. Well, I'm making one. You know, the coat of arms denotes uh, what the head of the house is famous for. Look, Gracie... If he's a brave knight, he has two lances crossed. Yes, but... If he's a brave hunter, he has two guns crossed. Yes, but... Yours has got to be beautiful. I'm crossing two cigars. <laughs> yes, I'm a very brave smoker. Now, Gracie, stop this foolishness. I'm not a king. I'm not a king. I'm not a king. You are, too. Oh. <laughs> uh... Here comes your little son, the crown prince. Don't call that darn duck my son. Herman, Mama has a marvelous surprise for you. Do you know what your daddy George is? Uh-huh. You do? Uh-huh. Herman, he is not. Oh, fine. Your daddy George is a king. A king. That's a man who's stronger and smarter than other men, and everybody bows down to him. <laughs> oh, 
now, Herman, that's no way for a crown prince to act. Crown prince? I'd like to see him sitting on the throne of mashed potatoes. Go on, go on, go on. Boys, boys, I mean, your majesty, please. Now, look, Gracie, I'm getting out of here before I go stark raving crazy. Oh, your majesty, would you stop at the bakery and get me a half a dozen poppy seed rolls? My, kings are temperamental. Well, I'd better see how the carpenter is doing. Oh, well, how's the work going, carpenter? Oh, fine, lady. I've done just like you told me. Nailed one of the dining room chairs on a pedestal two feet high. Oh, good. Hey, uh, what's the idea? So your little boy can reach a table? Oh, no, no. When my little boy wants to reach the table, he just flies up there. Your son can fly? Well, of course. He's nearly two years old. He'd be pretty backward if he couldn't fly by now. Holy gee, I got a kid that old who can't even walk yet. Well, give him time. Say, that chair does look nice, though. Oh, I know my husband will be delighted with it. Oh, uh, it's for your husband? Uh Uh-huh. He's uh, a midget? Oh, no, no. You see, this chair is going to be his throne. He happens to be a king. Oh, uh, a what? A king. And uh, that, of course, makes you a queen. Oh, yes, naturally. And your son, he's sort of a flying prince. Oh, oh, that's very good. (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess I better be going, queen. Goodbye. Oh, but I I haven't paid you for the job yet. Don't don't bother. I I probably only spend the money anyway. Goodbye. Oh, oh, no, wait. Wait, here comes my husband. I know you're dying to meet him. Hello, dear. Hello. Dear, this is Mr. Mr., uh... Uh, Brown, Harry Brown. How do you do your imperialism? Out, out. Go on, get out. And that's the first portion of the Burns and Allen Show, January 26, 1943. George uh, becomes a royal pain. George Burns and Gracie Allen starring. And we'll have the conclusion to that episode in our next hour here on Hollywood 360. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back to Hollywood 360. In our next hour, we will conclude the Burns and Allen Show from January 26, 1943. King George becomes a royal pain. And then we will hear Dimension X from April 8, 1950, The Outer Limit, starring Joe DeSantis. It's Outer Limit, not Outer Limits, because Outer Limits Did was I the say TV show. It's not Limits. It's I didn't Outer think limit. I said Limits. Did I say Limits? I think you did say Limits. Mike, help us out But here. I just want to make sure one thing. That the TV show is called The Outer Limits, but this radio show is called The Outer Limit. It was singular, not we're, plural. We're going to have to check on this. I think that uh, Lisa said limits. So and I, I think Carl is correct. Yes, thank you very much. Hey, for once, uh, I'm right. Happens Wait, once in a blue You moon. messed up? Well, I don't know, not for sure. Until I hear it, I yeah, don't no. know for right. sure. Well, we'll listen to it on the break. Uh, we'll be back in uh, a flash, but uh, stay tuned for Hour 2 of Hollywood 360.